In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, David Knorr. Hi there. Hello, sir. How are you today? I am great. It's so good to be with you and this fabulous podcast, which seems really aligned between our respective worlds. I know. I love it. The strategic relationships, right? It's, it's as, as you often talk about, it is everything, right? It's, it is the glue that, that uh, keeps us focused, keeps us productive, keeps us moving forward, and hopefully gets us through and beyond this, this current virus uh, storm. No kidding. Oh, my goodness. So the crazy thing is I've been doing Zoom meetings and all of this stuff for a really long time. But now people are kind of shoved into this area of relationships that are online. And as you and I talked about, it just went from being a luxury to an absolute necessity, right? So yep. I've got teenagers who are home and now they're doing remote learning. And, and uh, I think I had 22 meetings, face meetings this week that have all been turned into virtual FaceTimes and Zoom and go to meeting and WebEx. So <laughs> All sorts of fun stuff, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yes. And so share with us a little bit, David, in regards to your strategic relationships and how you do kind of you, you kind of break those down. Because, of course, in business, in life, relationships are everything is kind of our mantra here at the People Catalyst. But share with us some of your specific background associated with that. Absolutely. So as you may know, uh, I'm actually originally from Iran. Uh, I came to the U.S. in 1981 with a suitcase, 100 bucks. Carla, I didn't, I didn't know anybody and didn't speak a word of English. Uh, I wrote in my uh, first book, Relationship Economics, that I didn't certainly get it then, but I distinctly recall, I think I was five or six years old, walking through bazaars of Iran with my dad on our Friday errands. And beyond the list mom gave him of the things she wanted to make that day or the you know, projects he had to do around the house, dad also had a mental relationship list. And it was people he wanted to make sure we saw while we were out and about running our, our, our errands. So fast forward a whole bunch of years and um, after leaving, you know, I started my, my world in, in technology and then consulting and uh, private equity. And then when I decided to go on my own, I went on a listening tour. And, and Carla, I went and asked 35 people that I liked, I respected, and I trusted. And I said, what do you believe I do exceptionally well? And they said, you network, in their words, better than anybody we've ever met. If you can help other people figure this out, you'll succeed. So I started to, uh, my, my whole life has been B2B so uh, the whole time I'm thinking, what can I offer? What can I help my large enterprise relationships think about and do more or less of? So as I started to take this idea, and it's crazy to believe this is year 18 of the business, um, as I started to take this idea to the market, we combined this soft, nebulous thing, relationships that everybody understands important, with economics, which is a little more uh, black or white, a little more quantifiable, a little more strategic, a little more, you know, hopefully more intentional. 
and and that's what I do. So I I help as you and I know we've talked about relationships don't really make sense by themselves. Nobody builds relationships because they're bored. So I help my clients apply relationships and the idea, the concepts in uh, relationship economics to solving some very specific, you know, challenges, driving profitable growth, uh, creating and sustaining a culture of innovation, make, making, real, not making real change last, right? Those are examples of what P&L leaders I still see struggle with. Oh, yeah. So can you walk us through those three aspects that you just mentioned, which is profitable sure. growth, creating a culture of innovation, and then creating those lasting changes? Happy to. So number one, profitable growth. I've never believed growth at any cost, right? So, you know, before this, I worked for a private equity firm where we bought and sold a whole bunch of companies. And before that, you're going to love this. In the 2000 internet kind of blow up, uh, I was president of a company, and the painful lesson I learned in that period was you cannot buy something for $2 and sell it for a dollar and, and, and make it up on volume, right? It's just not going not gonna to work. Yeah, not the gonna work. isn't there for sure. <laughs> just doesn't add up, right? Uh, so what I believe in is, and what we've proven, is that if you think about it, the right relationships can actually accelerate your ability to get things done. Oh, yes. So uh, sociologists tell us that an average individual can proactively manage about 100 to 150 relationships. So a million-dollar question for most people I ask is, which ones? And how do, how do you know? And if you, I learned years ago in engineering school that you can't possibly improve something you don't measure. Very true. So we all know relationships are important. I've read a whole bunch of books on relationships. Very few people really understand their significance. So we've built, for example, a relationship heat map. We've built a relationship scorecard. You and I have walked into our enterprise clients, right? And we asked them, tell me about your relationships. And everybody inevitably, we have fantastic relationships. My very next question, how do you know? Well, they buy from us. Well, maybe you're holding them hostage, right? I, I don't know, right? So, so getting more intentional, again, strategic and quantifiable in the relationships you choose to invest in, we've proven can actually drive a more profitable growth in your business. That, oh, I love that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That completely Good. makes sense. So share with us a little bit about the innovation and the lasting change who you are associated Yo, with. And sure. I love that you're connecting the relational aspect to those things, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So on the building and sustaining a culture of innovation, uh, most people, when you talk about innovation, they think of an innovative product or a service. I actually work with my clients on creating an innovative business model and, and more broadly, a portfolio of business model innovations, right? So if your business so far has been selling a product, what if you leased that product? What if you rented that product? What if you, you know, what would have to happen for you to uh, deploy that product, but also offer to not just, uh, you know, sell the product, but service it? So if you think of any of those scenarios, you'd have to build out a business model that typically functions a little different than how you may do it today. 
to do that, you need the right talent, you need the right skills, you need the right capabilities, you need to be asking the right questions. We've, again, proven I can accelerate all of that through your portfolio of relationships. So we, so we work, so, so very similar to your world, we work with clients on, and, and you and I have seen ideation. A lot of people can come up with great ideas. It's how do we bridge that to implementation? Uh -huh. right? Oh my gosh. Literally, those are the two steps that we focus on. Ideation, what are we going to do? And implementation, how are we going to get it done? Right. I mean, you have to have goals. And the crazy part about it is that, you know, 110 years of marketing research about how people adopt new ideas, but it's the same group of individuals, but just done differently. Right. So you're trying to figure out what to do versus actually getting it done. Absolutely. So what I infuse in that process is, again, where are your who are your most valuable, most relevant relationships that can accelerate your ability to do that. So, so um, again, there, there are some fantastic innovation firms like yours out there that, that bring the process. They, others, people bring the tools and resources. My wheelhouse, our work is exclusively focused on the right relationships. So, so the third bucket is really driving uh, lasting change. One of the challenges with change is you know, when we're all really honest with ourselves, very few of us actually like or appreciate or do well with change. Um, we, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? I like doing the same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Human nature is human nature, Absolutely. right? And, 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 you know, often charismatic leaders, you know, start an initiative. Uh, and because of their sheer willingness and drive and tenacity, they, they kind of move the organization in a direction. The problem is when that leader retires or leaves the company and people tend to revert back. And I've got hundreds of examples I can give you. Alan Mulally uh, was invited to run Ford by Bill Ford. And during the last economic recession, oh, you know, 08 timeframe, he absolutely turned that company around. Unfortunately, as it happens, he retires, right? And now Ford is back in, in you know, doing some really, really bad things and, and, and they're in deep trouble, right? So um, how do you make change last beyond a charismatic leader or any initiative of the week, right? And really make that, make the long tail uh, results. Oh yeah. I like that long yeah, tail. Yeah. Results of that change permeate through the organization. Again, we've proven your relationships are the glue. That's how you're going to knowledge transfer. That's how you're going to really not just introduce, but sustain great practices and great practitioners in the process. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So how did you get into this work? David? Oh my gosh. Uh, this, you and your listeners are going to get a chuckle out of this one. So I, my background is sales and marketing and, again, consulting. That's what I've done for a whole bunch of years. Uh, August of 2004, a friend here in Atlanta where I live is, uh, was the deputy CIO at uh, one of the big banks. He says, uh, would love to have you come and just tell your story and talk about networking to our church. And uh, Carla, I, I'm thinking church, six, eight people. So I put a deck together the night before, 10 slides. And I show up and there's 250 people sitting in an auditorium. And I, 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 you know, what runs through my mind is bleep, right? What am I going to say? <laughs> well, you can't deny who you right? are, David, what, what, right? what am I going to say? That, right? 
what, what am I going to say that they're not going to laugh and walk out? What am I going to say that they haven't heard before about networking? So I, I spoke for 45 minutes and, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than, than good. So I stayed for 90 minutes afterwards and people are like, is there a book? Is there a seminar? How do we learn more? And I'm like, I don't, I, I, I don't do this. I, I'm, a, I'm a consultant. I'm a sales and marketing and biz dev and consultant. So that one speech led to 30 year one. Uh, 50 year two, 70 year three, 104 year four. Wow. Uh, I had gone to Emory uh, for the executive MBA program. So I reached out to them and I said, you've got the facility, you've got a website. Can I do a workshop down there and we'll split whatever we make. So we did our first workshop there and people from Sony and Goldman Sachs and KPMG and Chick-fil-A showed up. And I'm like, surely you guys already do this. They're like, no, we don't. I'm like, surely this is part of your new hire training and management development program. No, it isn't. So, uh, you know, that became KPMG was one of my first clients. That partner leaves, goes to Deloitte, brings me there. Deloitte is one of the uh, auditors at Siemens. They take me there. Siemens is a sponsor at Disney. They take me there. Uh, one client over the years has hired me three, in three different jobs. Uh, and like I said, I've been, I've been blessed to write 10 books from that first speech, August of 2004. Yeah. Because they said, Hey, do you have a book? <laughs> right. And as you and I talked about, I'm not writing Harry Potter, right? I'm never going to, I'm never going to get wealthy writing books. The books just become a great way to capture and disseminate your ideas. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so even before, okay, so you were a consultant and then obviously it kind of escalated, but what was your aha moment that you were like, this is who I am and this is, you know, where you're going to go? So I, I believe, I believe uh, my journey has been a, a really interesting blend of both nature and nurture. So as I mentioned, I, you know, born in the Middle East, if, you, if, you, if you've traveled, if you've worked in the Middle East or Asia or South America or, you know, almost like rest of the, the non-Western world builds relationships first from which they do business, right? And I learned that at a, at a very young age. Unfortunately, as Americans or even Westerners, we're so focused on the pipeline or that project plan or whatever the transaction is that only when that goes well, We'll ask the person, how you doing? And, and as we say in the South, how's your mama and them, right? We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't really care about the family. We don't ask about the family because we're so focused on the business part, right? Hence the disconnect when we go into places and they don't look, sound, or, 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 or for, you know, behave like us. So, so that was the, the nature part. The, the nurture really was uh, throughout my career, uh, I distinctly remember... Uh, in the early 1990s, I worked for a company called Silicon Graphics, and SGI was a big technology company. And I was down in Orlando, and I had Disney as one of my accounts. And I quickly figured out that I was not going to make any money sitting in my office. So I would commute 60 miles each way, and I got myself a badge and a car pass and an office down on the Disney property. And uh, I'm dating myself. Back then, com <laughs> com com companies used to have a directory that would feel like a phone book. Oh, that's right. I actually remember right? those, David. Right? There you go. So 
Yeah, I, right, as and well. we we could have a ball about this. But do you remember if our phones were, you know, in a in a little brick briefcase we used to carry around? Yeah, it was like what you put your computer in today. Yes, yes, or we or there were or there were uh, there were installed in our cars with a little you know swiggly antenna on the back. Oh my gosh, right? that's so true. Oh, sad. <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem like it, that it long was. ago. It 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 was okay. <laughs> Um, so uh, I would commute each way 60 miles down to Disney. I got myself a badge, a pass, and an office down there. I got a, an employee directory, and I literally started to tear the directory apart. And on a wall, uh, back then, we only had one size and one color of Post-it notes. Oh, and what color and, was that, and David? Carla, I, yellow. Yellow was the only color we had. Oh, that's Are right. Are you kidding? Right? Yellow is the only color. Now we've got a now whole you've got a whole slew of sizes and shapes and posters. Are you kidding me? Kids today are completely spoiled. We only had one size, so I used an entire wall with these posted notes. And again, you're gonna chuckle. I kid you not. With strings and tape to connect the dots between the relationships I had and the relationships I needed to succeed. So before I had gotten there, I think we'd sold 700K to two departments. Within a couple of years, we sold several million dollars to 24 departments. And I quickly figured out the only way I was going to succeed was to leverage, never use, but leverage my existing relationships to connect the dots between the people I knew, which we call your relationship bank today, and the people you needed, we call those pivotal contacts, to accelerate your ability to get there. So that was my personal experience. And then I spent six years at a private equity firm. And in those six years, we bought and sold 110 different companies. And I had a, a, an incredible opportunity at a front row seat. And, and, and Carla, I saw uh, incredible teams who had great relationships inside and outside their organizations take a mediocre idea to new heights. And, and just like a family, I saw dysfunctional teams, right, take amazing ideas off a cliff. Oh, yeah. Yes. So the genesis of my work came from those types of examples where I said, there's got to be something more than a company's product or service that sets them apart. And I began on this journey to really become a student of business relationships and really understand why do they work? How do they work? How do we screw them up? How do we fix them, right? How, how do we fix them? How do we fix them? And, and those that consistently outpace their competitive peers, what are they doing differently that, that the rest of us should learn and do and replicate? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Pay attention to that for sure. Because in business and life, again, relationships are everything. Right? And, and beyond, beyond, and I still cringe when people call it networking. Because I'm, I'm, I remind them, I remind them that networking is one letter away from not working, right? <laughs> and, and most people are just completely turned off by the cheesy, you know, lines. And hey, what keeps you up at night? Um, heartburn. You have a solution for that? <laughs> so, so, so I coach people to really see relationships like your repute, like your credibility, like your brand as a soft asset that can absolutely set you apart from everybody else. 
You know, it's interesting. We just did a podcast that's probably coming out, I don't know, this Thursday or maybe next Thursday with a gentleman that's an attorney and he focuses on the soft assets of the company and the intangibles because that is so incredibly valuable. I mean, there's so much value in that intangible that we really didn't look at those assets in the same way that we're looking at them now in regards to the relationships that we have with individuals that are in the company and the businesses and and what that means as far as your bottom line and your enterprise value. And and yes, and um, one thing that I've observed is, unfortunately, whenever we're faced with a challenge or an opportunity, we often think about what should we do and how should we do it. We seldom ask enough who questions. Who do we who do we need? Who do we know? How do we connect the dots with value add? And, and I've also seen you throw enough time, effort, resources, you'll eventually get there, right? One of the, one of the most undervalued, under-recognized, under-appreciated assets of our relationships is that they can dramatically accelerate your time to results, your time to outcomes, your time to cash, your time to traction. Oh, if, yeah. If no you're doubt. savvy enough to to ask what I just said, who do we need? There are no new challenges. There are no new obstacles, right? Somebody somewhere has seen the outcome, business outcome we're after. So who do we need? Who do we know? How do we connect the dots? Oh, I love that. Who do we need? Who do we know? How do we connect the dots? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one more, right? With value add. You got to connect the dots with value add. Because that's when people prioritize. Everybody's busy, right? That's when people prioritize returning your calls and emails. That's when they prioritize and look forward to hearing from you. That's when they're responsive is because they know you're not going to call to just chit-chat. You're going to call to ask, hopefully intelligent, engaging questions. You're going to share, hopefully intelligent, engaging content, value, ideas. More importantly, beyond your product or service, you're also a purveyor of relationships. So Norm may not have all the answers, but he probably knows somebody who at least can accelerate our ability to get to the answers. And, and that's really what you wanna be known for. I've always said, uh, be competent, capable in your technical skills, be unmatched, unparalleled, and make sure people insist on you because of your relationship building, because of your collaboration, because of your ability to bring people in, in essence, your relationship development skills. Oh, uh, I love that. Oh my gosh, David, this has been an amazing interview. And I love your outcome of relationships, profitable growth, create a culture of innovation, create lasting change. Absolutely thumbs up. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. My pleasure. Very kind. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.